that means when the listener says I, when the teacher says you are that, the response of the student is I am Brahman. So by you is meant the meaning of the word I. What's the meaning of the word I? As I said yesterday, that I, the real the meaning of the I, or I in reality, is something quite different from what I take myself to be. Because in my notion of I or myself, there is this what we call lumping together of the subject as well as object. Everyone knows that I means the subject. But in my notion of I, along with subject, the object also is mixed up. <coughs> and therefore, Lord Krishna here defines or tells us. So what is the subject and what is the object? Idam shariram kauntya. Idam means this, he kauntya, this body. Is kshitram, is the object, is the object of experience. Kshitram is the field, the field of experience. <coughs> and then who, who is I? Edadyovetitam prahuhu. And one who is a knower of this body, one who is knower of the field of experience, is the subject. Understand Arjuna, subject is a knower. The known is the object and knower is the subject. I mean, not a big thing, you know. in fact, a very simple thing. Vedanta uses very simple methods to arrive at the truth. Not arrive at the truth, but then explain the vision. So, that this is called Dhrabdhusya Viveka. Viveka meaning the distinction between seer and seen, the knower and known, the perceiver and perceived, the subject and object. So this body here, Juna, is not you, it is the object of your knowledge. Just drawing our attention to this fact. In fact, the word Shariram or the Kshetra includes everything. I would also like you to read uh, the verses 5 and 6. Just turn the page. Let us read those verses also. What is the meaning of word Kshetra as Lord Krishna, as explained by Lord Krishna in subsequent verses? Mahabhutanyahankara Buddhiravyakta Mevacha Indriyani the Shaykancha Panchachendriya Gochara Ichadvesha Sukham Dukham Sanghatas Chetanadhrutihi Etat Kshetram Samasena Savikara Mudahrutam These two verses in fact explain in detail the meaning of our Kshetra. What it is that is included in the word Idam. Lord Krishna even need not say Sharira. Idam, Kaunteya, Kshetram. Whatever can be indicated as Idam, as this, that is the object of knowledge. So, with reference to this, so there are two entities now in the, in the, as far as we are concerned, the subject and the object. So, whatever is indicated by the pronoun this, meaning that whatever can become the object of my knowledge, is the known, is the Kshetram. And what is it Lord Krishna tells us here the scope of the entire Kshetra? Mahabhutani, the, the five great elements, the space, air, fire, water and earth. Ahankara, the sense of ego. Buddhi, the intellect. 
avyaktam then manifest. So, this first line describes eight aspects. So, the, the method here, the terminology rather used here is those of this, this is the Sankhya terminology. So, Sankhya, that's the school of thought, which explains creation in its own way. So, they say that before creation, what the matter or the creation, before its manifestation, obtains in the unmanifested. Nothing new is created. What is there in unmanifested alone becomes manifest. So, Sankhya, the Vedantins, do not accept any such thing as creation. All it is is the unmanifest becoming manifest, that's called creation. And the manifest, again, going to the state of unmanifest is called dissolution. So, the cause manifesting as effect is called creation. And the effect, again, merging back into the state of cause, the effect becoming unmanifest is called dissolution or destruction. There is no destruction, dissolution. Again, from unmanifest to manifest, manifest to unmanifest. And this is how the creation goes on in these cycles. Just as in our everyday experience also, the deep sleep state in which we are is the unmanifest state. And from there we wake up, that's a manifest state. Again, go back to deep sleep state, then manifest. Again, wake up, the manifest. So thus, everything is cyclic. And so also, the creation, sustenance, resolution is a cyclic process. So, Vyakta means unmanifest, the state obtaining before the creation. And then the first manifestation is called Buddhi, the total intellect, the cosmic intellect is called Buddhi. Ahankara, the cosmic ego, the cosmic sense of individuality, meaning that the identification of God with the whole cosmos in the creation, the unmanifest is what we call the Maya or the Prakriti or the primordial cause. And its first manifestation is just the, the cosmic intelligence called Buddhi. And in that intelligence arises the first thought of I arising from identification with the whole cosmos. You can say that God identifying with the whole cosmos gives us the idea of I, the sense of individuality, cosmic individuality. And from that arises the, the, all the five elements, space, air, fire, water, earth. Something like this we also go through every day. See, when we, when, from the sleep when we wake up in the morning, although we are not quite aware of all the stages which are taking place, but if we do pay attention then we would find that as we wake up from the deep sleep, in the beginning, the very first moment there is all that is just awareness. I mean, you know, at that time all that is is awareness. And then second thing is I become aware of myself as an individual. Third thing, I become aware of the place. Hey, wait a minute, I'm in Gurukula. Time, six o'clock, you know. And thus the space and time I become aware of. And then the Panchamahabhuta, my body I become aware of, you know, which is made of five elements. So we can see how our awareness expands from the unmanifest to waking state which is the total awareness, awareness of everything. You can say that the awareness of things goes through the stages, unmanifest when there is no awareness of anything. From that awareness in general, from that a sense of I being there, and then further the awareness of time and space and then the water and fire and earth, everything, you know, water for the shower and fire for the tea and so on and so forth. That's how the awareness of the world takes place. 
You can say awareness expands. That is creation, that's all. This is creation. To the unmanifest, to the manifest. So Sankhya used this model to explain the creation of the whole cosmos. <coughs> anyway, that this includes everything. The first line includes everything. Well, the Indriya, the second, the second line says then, from the five elements, the sense, ten sense organs. Five organs of perception, five organs of action. Ekamcha and the mind. Panchacha Indriya Gocharaha and the five organs of, the five objects of perception. See, the general intelligence, Sankhya's call it Mahattattva, or the cosmic intelligence. Ahankaraha, the cosmic ego. From that, the five subtle elements. From that, the organs of perception and organs of action, and the mind. And then subsequently, the objects of the world, the fivefold objects of the world. This is the Kshetra. <coughs> and further, Icha, Dveshaha, Sukham, Dukham, Sanghataha, Chetana, Dhutihi, Icha, the desire, or the likes, Dvesha, the dislike or aversion, Sukham, the pleasure, Dukham, pain, Sanghataha, this body-mind complex, Chetana, the sentiency that we experience, Dhrutihi, Dhrutihi means the fortitude, meaning all different states of mind, all of this is Kshetram, as you understand that, all this is Kshetra. So, in the first verse, what I said is, Idam Shariram Kaunteya Kshetram Idhavidyate. He Kaunteya, this Sharira is Kshetra. What is meaning of the word Sharira in that first verse is explained in the verses 5 and 6, where Sharira need not be understood merely as an individual body, the cosmic Sharira. Means everything other than myself is Kshetra. And the scope of Kshetra or the field of experience is, is described in the verses 5 and 6, including the mind. The mind also is not the self. So, Icha, Dveshaha, Sukham, Dukham, the desire, the anger and pleasure and the pain and all of these which are different modifications of mind, understand Ajuna, there is also not the self. They are also object. So, that's all. Then going back to the first verse, Idam Shariram Kauntya Kshetram Idhyabhidhyate. Here, Arjuna, all this is Kshetra. Edadyovetti, and the one who knows the Kshetra is called Kshetragnya. One who knows the object is called the subject. Very simple thing, really. Is it not so? The thing is, knower also is illuminated. What is now the nature of knower? Here, Lord Krishna says, what's the nature of knower? Swamiji, knower is the one who knows the object of knowledge. But then understand that knower also is something that stands in relations with what is known. So with reference to what is known, with reference to what is objectified, the I is called the knower of the subject. But with reference to himself, what is he? What is this I without the reference to the object? What is it? When the ob- as long as the known is there, so long the knower is there. When the known is also not there, let us say. Suppose whatever it is, is the object, it goes away from my consciousness. The reason why this is being told is, this body, which is in fact an object of my perception, is unfortunately taken to be the self. The mind, which is also the organ of perception, the ob- object of perception with its various thoughts, is taken to be the self. <coughs> 
the sense organs also are presently taken to be self. The buddhi also is taken to be self. The ahankara ego also, this is taken to be the self. So Lord Krishna elaborated. The objects of the world, sangata this, this complex, the organic complex, the mind with all its various thoughts, the sense organs, all of these are kshetra. All of these are the object of knowledge. And you are not that. You are the knower of them. As Shankaracharya would say, Mano buddhya hankara chittani naham nacha shrotra jikhve nacha ghrana netre nacha vyoma bhumihi na tejo na vayu. I am not all of this. So this is what Lord Krishna wants Arjuna to say. Arjuna recognizes the body is not you because you are the knower of the body. The sense organs are not you because you are knower of the sense organs. The mind is not you because you are knower of the mind. Am I not the knower of mind? The happiness happens in my mind, I know. The pleasure, I know. The pain, I know. The desire, I know. The likes, I know. The dislikes, I know. I know all of them. And therefore, they are the object of my knowledge. I am different from them. The intellect also. I know my intellect, which is also nothing but the other group of thoughts. All my different ideas and thoughts and concepts and conclusions, I know. Include memory also and ahankar, ego also, I know. And therefore, I am not that. Then who am I? If I am not all this, I am not the mind, not the intellect, not the chittam, not the ahankara, not the organs of perception, not the organs of action, not the body. Name dvesha rago, name lobha moha, the dvesha, raga, lobha, moha, mada, matsarya. Meaning, the desire, the, the desire, anger, delusion, Great, none of these I am. No punyam, no papam, no saukhyam, no dukkham. The punya, papa, virtue, vice, sukham, dukkham, pleasure, pain, none of these I am. No dharma, artha, kama, moksha, that also I am not. Even the human ends, dharma, artha, kama, moksha, they also I am not. No vedaha, no yajnaha, the veda, yajna, none of them I am. So Shankaracharya describes his own Vedakshetram, as Lord Krishna describes, I am not, I am not, I am not, because I recognize them as the object of my awareness. Then who am I? I am the awareer. And what's the nature of awareer? The awareer also is a role, the subject also is a role, the knower also is a role with reference to what is known. But when I distinguish myself from the known, then I am not the knower also. Then who am I? Just the knowledge. <coughs> so what's the nature of the awareer? Awareness. What's the nature of the conscious being? Consciousness. What's the nature of the knower? Knowledge. So this knower also drops. As long as the known is there, so long I stand in relation to known as the knower. But when the known also is not in my consciousness, then the knower also does not remain, and what remains is just the basis of knower and known, which is what? Just the consciousness, the awareness, what they call the illuminator, one that illumines the whole kshetra. Who am I? I am the illuminator, I am the consciousness that illumines the entire kshetra. Beginning from this body to the whole universe is illumined by me. I am the illuminator, the consciousness, as Shankaraja says, Chidananda Rupaha Shivoham Shivoham Chit, the consciousness. Ananda, I'm the wholeness. There is nothing to limit me. How many are like me? I'm the only one like me. 
There is no one like me. Everything in the creation falls in the category of object. I am the only subject. What else do I want? Everybody wants always some, to be unique. Everybody wants to be distinguished from everything else. I am already unique. There is nothing like me. In the sense of what? In the sense that I am the only subject. Everything else is object. You are all object. I am the only subject. Swamiji, that's what you say. But I will say, I am the subject. You are the object. What are you going to do? Everybody will say, I am the subject. You are the object. That's all right. But when I say you are the object, which you? Only you that can be objectified. When I say you, I mean your body. Perhaps your sense organs. Perhaps your mind. Perhaps your ego. So whatever can be objectified alone can become the object. So therefore, in you also, which aspect of you is object for me? Your personality. The prakriti. But the purusha that you are, the self that you are, cannot be objectified by me, cannot be objectified by the senses. And therefore, in that sense, I am the only subject. Everything else is object. You can also say you are the only subject and everything else is object. But Swamiji, then how many subjects are there? As many living beings are there, as many Atmas are there. But then we say, what's the nature of the subject? Just the consciousness. Swamiji, what is the weight of the consciousness? Well, the weight belongs to the body. What is the shape of the consciousness? Shape also belongs to the body. Shape also is object of my consciousness. Weight also is object of my consciousness. Every kind of a characteristic or attribute is in fact object of awareness. And therefore awareness is devoid of all the attributes of height, weight, any kind of qualification. I am unqualified awareness. The unqualified awareness, where is the limit? Swami, where does the consciousness end? Does it end with the boundaries of my body? It isn't because even the space also is the consciousness. Therefore, what is the scope of the consciousness? Everything is included in the consciousness. Every scope is in consciousness also. And therefore, consciousness is that which cannot be confined to any scope, any boundary, automatically conscious. What? Boundless consciousness I am. Unqualified consciousness I am. And you are also boundless consciousness and unqualified consciousness. And she is also boundless consciousness, unqualified consciousness. So then, how many boundless, unqualified consciousnesses are there? What is the distinguished boundless consciousness that I am? What does it, what is it distinguishes from boundless consciousness that you are? Is there a, a dividing line there? When so many bulbs are shining here, where is the scope of bulb, light of one bulb as compared to other bulb? Is there something that says, no, no, my, this is my territory and that is their territory? Does the light have any territory? Does the space have any territory? Does the consciousness have a territory? The territory comes when the consciousness is equated to ahankara. But there is no territory in the sense that the subject that you are is the subject that I am. All of us are sharing one subject. All were sharing one Atma. Imagine uh, this hall having one thousand mirrors and I stand in the middle of the hall and how many Swamis are? One thousand Swamis are there. As Swami you would say, you know, count one and everything gets counted. Well, Swami gave the example of one gold, all ornaments, a million ornaments. 
I don't know if anybody has calculated a million. No, I'll, I'll calculate myself and see whether you can make one million out of one ton or not. But anyway, whatever number is there. But Swami said that some student is... In fact, I started calculating there, you know. When I heard this, one ton gold and one million ornament, I said, wait a minute. I was just... I, was, I, I started calculating. In the meantime, Swami said that my students have calculated. So, you know, I stopped my calculation, you know. He said they have calculated that one million ornaments can be there from one ton of gold. So then I did not take trouble. <laughs> but you can say there are one million mirrors, let us say, and then I stand in the middle of the hall and there are one million swamis. So when I say I, each one of them says I. But each one of them is sharing one I, isn't it? Who is the I of each reflection? The Swami is the eye of each reflection. And therefore, each one is sharing one eye. Imagine all these mirrors here. What is this Prakriti? Purusha and Prakriti. Prakriti means our personality. The matter, the body, mind, intellect, complex of Prakriti. Imagine that to be a mirror. Reflecting Purusha, the consciousness. And then there are countless mirrors. Reflecting how many persons, how many Purushas. There are countless mirrors reflecting one Swami. Similarly also, all these countless mirrors are there, which we call Prakriti or Personality, reflecting how many Purushas? One Purusha. Idam Shariram Yatetadyo Vetitam Prahuhu Kshetragnihai Idhitadvidahai The knowers of Kshetra and Kshetragnya say that the one who knows the Kshetra is Kshetragnya, is a subject, is a self. What's the nature of that self? The second verse. Shetrajnam chapimam vidhi Sarvakshetre shubharata Shetrakshetrajnayor jnanam Yatajnanam matamama and so Lord Krishna says, Kshetragnyam Chapimam Vidhi. And he know him, Bharata, Bharata. May you know that I am the Kshetragnya. Lord Krishna says, I am the self. That subject. What's the nature of the subject? What's the nature of the self? Lord Krishna says, I am the self. Who is I? Vasudeva, Narayana. The Lord is the self of all. So he stands in the middle. With all these jivatma, the, all the personalities of various mirrors, and therefore, who is reflected in every prakriti, who is reflected in every personality, none other than Brahman, none other than Narayana, none other than God, whichever word you like to use. And so, Tosidasi would say, Si Ramaya Sabajagajani, Karahu Pranama Jori Jukapani. He says, The whole universe is nothing but the Rama and Sita, in his wise. And Surdaji may say, oh, Jagat Dhanjimgar, Radha and Krishna, whatever. But the thing is that, Purusha and Prakriti, Purusha reflected in the Prakriti. Whole universe is nothing but one self being reflected in all the personalities. Here you understand that I am the person, I am the Purusha in all the Prakritis, all the Kshetras, all the personalities. Kshetra Kshetra Gnayoho Yajnanam Tajnanam Itimamatam And Lord Krishna says that this is all you need to know. The knowledge of Kshetra and Kshetragnya. That knowledge is the real knowledge. Meaning that when you know the Kshetragnya, the know the self in its true sense, then that's the real knowledge. 
That's the purpose of all the knowledge, isn't it? Every scientist is in search of ultimately the fundamental truth and each one is inquiring into that truth in its own way. But then, when will the quest for the, the pursuit of truth will be completed? When ultimately they come to know that the truth that they are searching for the physicist or whoever is, when they come to know the truth is one and that is Narayana or that is Brahman, that is limitless, that is consciousness, that is the self of all, then that is a Jnanam. Then the pursuit of knowledge really has found its culmination. <coughs> so this is how Lord Krishna, of course Krishna, you know what it means. Lord Krishna, I am the self. So the, the scholars explain the word Krishna as I have said earlier also. The word Krishna being made up of these two elements, Krish and Na. Krushi bhuvachaka shabda hai, nascha nirvati vachaka hai. Krush means to be, existence. Arna means the ananda. So Krush means sat. Arna means ananda. Krishna means sadananda hai. Tayurikyam sadananda hai. Krishna hai abhidhyate. And so Krishna means sadananda. Satchidananda. Lord Krishna says, I, the Satchidananda, is the self of all. And we will have occasion to discuss this subsequently in this chapter also. So we will not exhaust ourselves at this point. But important thing is this. This is the vision that Vedanta gives and that Lord or Brahman or Satchidananda is the self of all. Not only self of all human beings, self of all living beings. Even self of dogs and cats. As Lord Krishna says in the fifth chapter, Vidya, Vinaya, Sampanne, Brahmane, Gavi, Hastini, Shuni Panditaha, Samadarshinaha. Whether he is a Brahmana, a very pure person, or whether there is a cow, or an elephant, or a dog, or a dog eater. See, Lord Krishna must be a great reformer because when you think of a dog, you know, in India, it's looked upon as an impure animal, you know. And they don't allow a dog into any kind of rituals and things that are going on. Then what to talk about dog eater? He's an untouchable. I'm not promoting untouchable. I'm saying this is the kind of, you know, the, 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 this is the kind of uh, evaluation that people have. Therefore, Lord Krishna says, beginning from the purest person, the pious person, to the one who is looked upon as impure, in all of them, Panditaha Samadarshinaha, the wise people see the same self, the same truth. But Swamiji, doesn't the God, doesn't Lord become contaminated when he is a contaminated personality like that of a dog eater? Does he not become impure? He says, no, nirdosham hi samam brahma tasmad brahmanitesthitaha. This brahman is nirdosham, the self is nirdosha, nirguna, meaning that he cannot be affected by any virtue or vice. All virtues and vice, all of them depend upon the, uh, they are all centered upon the personality and the self that in fact enlivens his personality remains unaffected by that just as the, the eye this, or the image because he is unaffected by any distortions in the mirror. The mirror can have various distortions and my reflection may appear to be distorted even though the reflection is distorted, I the image remains undistorted ever. And so also, there may be distortions in personalities. What we call virtue and vice and vasattva, rajas, tamas, all of this is the personality. But the self manifesting through all personalities is ever pure, is ever unaffected, ever unattached. Ever, therefore, what it means that you and I and everyone is ever pure, ever unaffected, ever unattached, ever perfect, 
ever complete, ever good. This is the truth. This is, I think, that cannot, you know, this is the most important contribution that Vedanta can have is to reveal the fact that there is one truth and that truth is simple and beautiful. Well, scientists say, you know, the scientists make the statement. In fact, as they are probing into the reality of matter, it seems to become more and more the complicated, more and more complicated. And then why are you continuing your search? More you, more you probe into that, more complicated it's going to become. And still they continue to search. Why? Because there is a conviction that the truth must be simple and beautiful. That's why they are searching for. So that, that kind of an insight everybody has, even though there is all these complications, what is the truth? What's the basis? It's simple and beautiful. And thus Lord Krishna says, each one of us is simple and beautiful. If any ugliness is there, if any complexities are there, if any distortions are there, if any angularities are there, all of them belong to what we call the prakriti, belong to the matter, belong to personality, and never to the person, never to the self. And that should become the value. To know this truth, it is necessary that we should live a life also which is based on this truth. Right now our life is based on untruth. Right now our life and the values are based on taking this duality or division as real. Right now my values are based on taking myself as a limited entity. I look upon myself as inadequate, incomplete, sometimes impure. Some people tell Swami, I am an impure person. I am a polluted person. So I take myself as impure, inadequate and that is how I am functioning right now. So a life lived on the basis of taking oneself as incomplete or impure or whatever, it can never lead to purity or completeness. And therefore, Lord Krishna prescribes subsequently several values in this chapter, which are based on this truth. So even when we live a life of these values, even though we may not know the truth, but the very way of living the life will lead us to the truth. So therefore, as we say, Vedanta provides us the two things, the view of life and the way of life. What's a view of life? There's one Narayana, one Lord, one Brahman, one truth, Satchit Ananda. That is the truth or the basis of everything, whatever that is. As Swami will explain, Ishavasya Upanishad says, Ishavasya Mudam Saram, Yat Kinche Jagat Jagat, in this universe, Yat Kinche, whatever that is, however ugly it is, However sinful it is, however abominable it is, outwardly, understand that the truth of that, the essence of that, or the core of that, is nothing but same Ishvara, or Brahman, same goodness, or the beauty, or the wholeness, is the truth of everything, doesn't matter what it looks outwardly. And that includes even tables and chairs. It not only talks about, not only includes in scope the living beings, even what we call animate, inanimate, whatever there is, in fact the truth of that is this. If this is so, then what Swamiji? That means I am only interacting with God, yes. That means all manifestation of God. So I am talking to God and I am interacting with God. And whatever I am doing, I am all doing with God, yes. How will you then do? Well, then try to do that, you see. 
Although right now it is not a reality for me that all this is God. Or that I am God. And we have to understand the meaning of the word God here, of course. Because God means omniscient, omnipotent, omnipresent. Swamiji, when I get this knowledge, does it mean that I become omnipotent, omnipresent, omniscient? That's not necessary. You will become if it is necessary. But it is not necessary to be omniscient. Not necessary to be all-knowing, all-powerful, all-pervasive. It is enough to be what I am. A whole and complete being. And therefore, just as I am here a combination of the Prakriti and Purusha, the person and the personality, that I have a personality, and there is a person manifesting through this personality, so also even God also is the union of the person and the personality. God also is a person having a personality. So what is the characteristic of my personality? Limited in every way. Limited in knowledge, limited in power, limited in capacity, limited in pervasiveness, limited in every way. And what is God's personality? You know, infinite in every way. Infinite knowledge, infinite power, infinite pervasiveness. And therefore, in fact, the two are totally contradictory. God and I are totally contradictory. From what standpoint? From the standpoint of the Prakriti personality. But the person that God is, is the person that I am. This is what is meant by revealing the identity. The identity is not at the level of personality. That the wise man, although we call him God, we call him Bhagavan. Out of reverence, we call all Mahatmas Bhagavan. And they do have some elements of Bhagavan. But still they are not Bhagavan in primary sense. Even wise people also are not God in primary sense. They are not omniscient or omnipotent. But they are the same purity that God has. The same love that God is. Same goodness that God is. Same beauty that God is. And that's what Lord Krishna stands for in fact is nothing but the personification of beauty, or personification of freedom, personification of joy. If you want to draw a picture of beauty, what will you do? Perhaps you will draw Lord Krishna. If you want to draw beauty, or love, or joy, these are all formless, understand? Swami, you are all worshipping forms, but then this formless alone is given a form for me to visualize something. In fact, when you draw Lord Krishna, you are drawing your own self. It is not that he is different. The same self is being only represented as what we call Lord Krishna or Lord Dakshinamurti or any form that for that matter. It is nothing but my own self. Swami, you are worshipping yourself? <laughs> what is this Vedanta? How can there be bhakti? How can there be worship? Yes, worshipping myself is the highest form of worship. No doubt about that. So Swarupana Sandhana. But until that happens, until that Dakshinamurti appears to me, that is a seeming duality in the affair. I worship Dakshinamurti as God as long as I look at myself as a jiva. When I recognize that I am the person and he is the person, all the bhakti has culminated into that knowledge. <coughs> so this is the basis of the values that are prescribed to us. And from the verse 7 to the verse 11, Lord Krishna prescribed a very famous 20 values which we all done. All of these are discussed in great detail in the earlier session, but very briefly we will just go through them. In fact, there is only one value, understand, there are not twenty values, or there are two hundred values, there is one value. And what is that value? The truth is a value. What is the truth? That which equally informs everything. That which does not discriminate at all. The same truth is there in a very pious person also, 
The same truth is there in an animal also. The same truth is there in an, in an impure person also. The same truth is there in animate as well as inanimate. Everywhere the same truth is. And that is the value. So being born as a human being, what is value? Value is the truth or myself. That happens to my own self. And therefore, who is the most valuable one to me? Myself. So primary value is what you call God or truth or the self. That's the primary value. But it's not enough that I am Brahman. I must know that I am Brahman. It's not enough that I have a treasure. I should possess the treasure. As Chandogya Upanishad gives an example that a big treasure is in fact buried in a, in a farm. And for generations, these farmers are walking up and down on that, not knowing what is beneath. So having the treasure, or being, you know, uh, that's not enough, but we must become the owners of the treasure. And that distance we have to cover. Then this farmer is told, Hey, do you know, fellow, you are, you are just, you are so, such a poor man, but do you know that actually you are a very rich person? So who says that? I'm telling you, how? Then some old records he found out that there is a big treasure buried in your farm. Now he has paroksha jnana. He is what we call indirect knowledge, intellectual knowledge that I am a rich man. He has yet to become a rich man. What's the first knowledge? Hey, I am a rich person. That's very relieving, understand? This also is a great relief. At least all the time looking upon himself as a poor man, a pauper, a helpless, helpless creature, he doesn't anymore look upon himself that way. He no more feels, you know, uh, that he's poor, he's helpless. But still, he has to become rich. By digging. This is how Vivek Swadhyaya explains. Aptoktihi khananam. Aptoktihi. The first step is, some knowledgeable person told me that there is a treasure. Then khananam. Then comes the digging. And removing the stones and whatever there may be as obstacles. And retrieving the treasure. That is when you become rich. So, Number one, he is rich all the way doesn't know. Number two, he comes to know that he is rich. And number three, that he has to become rich. Similarly also, presently I do not know that I am Brahman. Then the teacher unfolds his truth before me that, hey, you are Brahman. So yeah, I can see that fact. And third stage is what? That I must own up this truth that I am Brahman. And that is the process also, understand. And sometimes that process is not recognized by Vedantic students that that process also one has to undergo and that one has to own up this. And that is where a certain way of life comes. That is where a certain value, these values come. That is where Karma Yoga comes. That is where worship comes. That is where the values come. Is that my life also is modeled around the truth or around the goal that I have. What's the goal now? Moksha. But what is moksha? Just owning up what I am. How to own up? By living a way of life and then also by knowing. That's the reason why Bhagavad Gita uh, prescribes here or describes rather or mentions two stages. One is life of becoming and then the life of knowing. Understand some becoming is involved here. Not becoming rich and stuff like that. But some becoming is involved. What is becoming? Transforming my mind. 
So some transformation is required. And when the mind is transformed, then it becomes capable of knowing. What do you mean so many transformation? Vedanians call it antahkana shuddhi, the purification of mind. Why do we require a mind to be purified? Because that mind alone can see this fact that this Brahman I am. Is it not so? Only when the mind is happy, that then we are told that your happiness, it makes sense to me. Otherwise I am a sad person right now and someone keeps on, you are ananda, you are happiness, you are whole, you are... It makes me more miserable sometimes. Oh, I am supposed to be ananda, but I am miserable. That makes me more miserable sometimes. And so this thing doesn't touch sometimes. When will it touch? When ananda is a matter of my experience. And then when I am told that you are ananda, then it immediately goes home. And therefore, it is necessary that we must discover that relative happiness, that relative purity, that relative quietude, in order to understand that, that absolute happiness or tranquility I am, and that is how that becoming comes. What's the becoming? The transformation. Transforming what? Transforming my mind. Well, either you call it transforming mind or you call it removing the impurity because mind is pure by nature. Another nice thing is that the mind is tranquil and pure by nature. And what we call the impurities are only incidental and therefore they can be removed. If it were inherent, they could not be removed. The impurities are incidental. How did they come about? Because of my false perception. My false perception of myself in the false perception of the world has brought about all these impurities, so-called impurities. And by the true perception they will go. And the perception becomes true when I live a life also based on that perception. And therefore, based on this perception, what kind of life should I live is what is being said here by Lord Krishna in the verses from 7 to 11. Let us read those verses. Amanitvamadam bhitvam Ahimsakshantirarjavam Acharyopasanam shaucham Sthairyamatma vinigraha Indriyartheshu vairagyam Anahankara evacha Janmam rityujara vyadhi Dukha doshan darshanam Asatirana bhishvangaha Putradara gruhadishu Nityancha samachitvatvam Ishtanishtopapatishu Maichananya yogena Bhaktiravya vicharini Vivikta desha sevitvam Aratirjana samsadi Adhyatma jnana nityatvam Tattva jnana artha darshanam Eta jnana miti praktam 
अज्ञानम like 16 chapter talks about some 33 and even 12 chapter then also that talked about 33 16 chapter talks some 23 so many virtues can be added there is only one virtue but then can be described in very different ways so here lord krishna says this group of 20 virtues etat gnanam iti proktam it is called gnanam it is called knowledge yat atah anyam agnanam and that which yat adahanyatha so that which is opposite of that is called agnana so we should decide now whether in in ishavasya upanishad also these words gnanam and agnanam come vidya and avidya vidya and avidya here also gnanam and agnanam a life of knowledge and life of ignorance as kathopanishad says these both these choices are there No, Lord Swami talked about the choices, the choiceless choice. But that choiceless choice is only when there is a dis- discerning. But as long as person has not discerned what it is that he is seeking in his life, so long it is possible that one may make wrong choices. So both these choices present themselves before me. One choice is called jnanam, other choice is called agnanam. In every situation, as Kathopanishad says, Shreya hai. and prayer so kathopanishad uses these two words shreyas and prayas the path of good and the path of pleasant the path of good and the path of pleasant both of these are both these choices are available to us in every situation if i choose the path of pleasant more often than not i i sacrifice or compromise the path of good what is path of pleasant that which yields immediate gratification what is path of good that which yields lasting gratification so every every in every condition or situation there is always a temptation for immediate gratification even though the doctors declare that i am suffering from diabetes i am already too sweet and therefore Swami ji, it's better that you avoid sweets. And I always declare I don't eat sweets. And most people take it seriously, and therefore they don't offer me. There are few people who know how to, uh, how to, uh, let's say, uh, manage manage the Swami. <laughs> and so they they bring this uh, ice cream, you know. Swami, you don't eat every day, you know. This is one day. <laughs> Someday, and this is a very special thing, and no eggs in that. This is all special preparation, and there is nobody. But I, I tell them, no people will look at. No, we won't tell this to anybody. You come to our place, you know, because the word spreads. What did Swami eat at your place? We eat ice cream at the end, you know. So next time when you went, next place you go, there is ice cream also. And next place you go, so I said, no, I don't want. So don't, I won't tell this to anybody, Swami. You know? And this all temptations are presented before me. 
and I oblige that person. Actually, really, I am obliging myself. But then outwardly, I oblige. <laughs> I act as though I am just eating this ice cream for your sake. That. <laughs> but within myself, there is definitely a craving, a temptation for that. And therefore, when I eat that ice cream, it is a path of pleasure. It gives me immediate gratification, but a long-term pain. Immediate gain, a long-term pain. Otherwise, what, what is required of me? Self-control? Ice cream? No. It's tempting, my mouth is watering, everything is there. And still, I control myself. I very politely tell my hostess, lady, no, thank you very much. Sometimes they feel bad, you know. I mean, because it's, it's, um, uh, if you sometimes do not respect their sentiment, then they feel, you know, they get hurt also. Even, even risking that, thank you very much. Thus, there is some pain involved on my part, of course, because I have to let go that immediate gratification that comes. My, my palate is demanding, my stomach also is demanding, my mind wants it, and I control. That's called Damaha, self-control. It does involve pain. A short-term pain, but long-term gain. So these choices are always there before us. Short-term gain, long-term pain. Short-term pain, long-term gain. Path of Preya, path of Shreya. Preyas, the path of pleasant, immediate gratification. Shreyas, the path of good, the lasting good. But that comes later. Yattadagre vishameva pariname amrutopamam tatsukam satvikam proktam atmabuddhi prasadayam Lord Krishna says yattadagre vishameva that which in the beginning feels like visham, like poison, like painful pariname amrutopamam but that which results into ultimately which results into nectar that which is like visham, like poison meaning bitter or painful in the beginning but which ultimately results into nectar or what we call the lasting happiness. That is called sattvic sukha. Sukha or happiness arising from sattva. Vishendriya sanyogat yattadagre amrutopamam pariname vishamiva tatsukham rajasamsrutam. Lord Krishna says that the pleasure arising from the contact of sense organs with sense objects, that pleasure, it, you know, feels like amrutam, like very sweet in the beginning but then turns out to be very bitter at the end. So this choice can be made provided I have discerned the basic thing, that the basic value is what? The basic value is myself. Moksha is the basic value. Moksha means knowledge of myself. Knowledge of myself is possible provided my mind is, my mind is prepared to gain that knowledge. That preparation means the antahakarsuddhi, purification of mind. The purification of mind is possible when I deliberately initiate the process called self-purification, emotional maturity. When I deliberately make the right choices. When I am willing to suffer the pain in the short term. When I am willing to make that choice, then alone this can happen. If this is clear to me, then I will be able to make the right choice and follow the value. So the value of value must be first recognized. That these values are all valuable because all of them ultimately mean my own self and I am the most valuable to me. 
Swamiji, you are selfish, but everybody is selfish. Who is the most valuable one to me? I. So you don't care for us? I care for us to the extent that you help me care for myself. That's all. You are selfish? I am selfish. I care for you, provided you help me care for myself. If you are favorable to me, agreeable to me, then I like you. But basically because it is I who likes myself. This is a fundamental truth. Recognizing this, when this is recognized, then we deliberately live a way of life which is conducive to reaching towards moksha. And that's what Lord Krishna means here by prescribing these values. Eta jnana miti proktam ajnana anyatha. This is here Arjuna called knowledge because it is means of knowledge. This group of twenty virtues described here is a means of knowledge. When they are there, knowledge will take place. When they are not there, knowledge will not take place. That's called Anvaya Vyatareka. When these virtues are there, knowledge will take place. When the virtues are not there, knowledge will not take place. So, then the Shravanam, Mananam, all of these do not bless us as much as they should. Listening to scriptures, whatever, sometimes listening to it for years together also, doesn't bless as much as it should. Because this work also needs to be done in terms of, as I said, the inner purification. Therefore, the inner purification also Lord Krishna calls Jnanam and knowledge, and the impurity are called Jnanam. So with that, this is a value of every value, value is valuable because every, I am the most valuable, and every value becomes a means of owning up myself. Of first recognizing myself and then owning up myself. <coughs> okay, from the next session we'll briefly look at this and then proceed with our text. Om Purnamada Purnamidam Purnat Purnamugachade Purnasya Purnamadaya Purnameva Vashashade Om Shanti 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 Shankaram Shankaracharyam Keshavam Vadarayanam Sutra Bhashakrutau Vande Bhagavantau Punapunaha Ishvara Guru Ratmedi Murti Bheda Vibhagine Vyoma Vadvyapta Dehaya Dakshyamurtaye Namaha Om Shanti 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 Hari Om Shri Guru Bhavana Hari Om